We're now in the season of Easter, uh, which lasts a whole seven weeks, from Easter Sunday all the way up to Pentecost. Uh, And so during the season of Easter, what we'll be doing in worship is we'll be traveling. We'll be traveling in the footsteps of the apostles throughout the book of Acts. As we celebrate the resurrection, it makes sense to put ourselves in the shoes of the first witnesses to the risen Christ, experiencing their stories, marveling at their faith, seeing God at work in the early church. An important thing to know about Acts is that most scholars now believe that it was written by the gospel writer Luke, and Luke wrote it as a sort of sequel to the gospel, a part two, if you will. For him, it was necessary to show how Jesus' ministry is carried on by his followers, by the guidance and the leading of the Holy Spirit. So as we meet these witnesses and apostles and acts, and as we walk in their footsteps, we'll be reflecting on what they teach us about discipleship, what they teach us about being witnesses of our risen Lord. Today, we look to one of my favorite stories in Acts, if not in all of Scripture, the conversion of Saul, later Uh, referred to as Paul, and the aid of a man named Ananias in this act. It's a long story, so I'll pause about halfway through to give us a chance to reflect and work through together. Friends, I invite you to listen now with open hearts and minds as we encounter God's word together from the ninth chapter of Acts, beginning with the first verse. Meanwhile, Saul still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any who belonged to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now as he was going along and approaching Damascus, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? He asked, Who are you, Lord? The reply came, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But get up and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless because they heard the voice but saw no one. Saul got up from the ground, and though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. So they led him by hand and brought him into Damascus. For three days he was without sight, neither ate nor drank. We'll stop here for a moment. In our lesson today, we meet meet Saul first. This, of course, is his Hebrew name. We're still a few chapters away from Luke calling him by his Roman name, and the name we better know him by in the church, Paul. Uh, Saul, so far, has been among the chief persecutors of Christians in the story of Acts so far. He was present and approved the stoning of Stephen. And Just before our lesson, Luke describes how Saul ravaged the church, going door to door, and dragging men and women from their homes and throwing them in prison. So we get to the chilling first verse of our lesson today. Meanwhile, Saul still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. See, Saul wanted to stop this new movement that was, that was seen as a threat to the status quo. 
He wanted to stop it with every bone in his body. Even his breath was filled with threats and murder against the disciples. Saul sought an arrest order for all those who followed the way, which is a shorthand term for the early Christian movement within the Jewish faith, before they started referring to themselves as the church. Saul wanted to extradite Christians back to Jerusalem to be imprisoned, and perhaps even worse. So Saul begins his quest to round up and jail Christians by traveling to Damascus. And he has a pretty good clue that he'll find some people there. But on the road, on this journey, something happens. Luke tells us that a light from heaven came and Saul fell to the ground. Then he heard a voice cry out, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? After Saul responds, who are you, Lord? He doesn't quite know who approached him, but he has an inkling it was an encounter with the divine. The voice responds, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Get up, go to the city, there you'll be told what to do. So he gets up, but now he can't see. His travel companions have to lead him by hand to Damascus. And so shocked from this encounter, he cannot eat or drink for three days. Now, typically in the church, this is a story we tell of Paul's conversion. How his encounter with the risen Lord on the road to Damascus transformed him from persecuting to proclaiming Christ. It's true, this is a remarkable story. But friends, it's also a story that's not over yet. Saul hasn't done anything yet except get stunned and now is unable to see. There's someone we need to meet, another person we need to meet, in order for Saul's conversion to be complete. So let's hear the rest of the story, starting at verse 10. Now there was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. He answered, Here I am, Lord. The Lord said to him, Get up and go to the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. At this moment he is praying, and he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man. How much evil he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who invoke your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is an instrument whom I have chosen to bring my name before Gentiles and kings and before the people of Israel. I will show, I myself will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias went and entered the house. He laid his hand on Saul and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on your way here has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately, something like scales fell from his eyes and his sight was restored. Then he got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. For several days, he was with the disciples in Damascus. And immediately, he began to proclaim Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is the Son of God. This is the word of the Lord. 
and thanks be to God. You know, my first take when I, when I read this story is that it so easily seems like God could have given Saul all the necessary instructions and convinced him to go to Damascus to stop persecuting and begin proclaiming Christ. But God chose to use another disciple, another disciple, in order to complete Paul's conversion, Ananias. God uses Ananias not just to restore Paul's sight, but also to bring him in, to welcome him in to the Christian community. We know the, sto- the story of Paul's conversion on the road to Damascus pretty well, but we often forget about Ananias, the disciple who completes God's conversion of Saul. Now this theme, this idea happens a lot in Acts, where two different people each receive a revelation and They don't quite understand it until they meet each other. They don't understand it all until they find one another. In other words, they need each other to figure all this stuff out. This isn't just good storytelling by Luke. It's a reminder that we need one another in order to understand an experience of God at work in our lives. So often we think that we can do it alone, but the story reminds us otherwise. We need a community. As Christians, we need a church in order to understand and make sense of the powerful ways God is at work in our midst, how God is at work in our lives, how God is at work in the world around us. Though he's often left out of the story, Ananias is vital to Saul's conversion. The story begins with Saul breathing threats and murder against the disciples and following an experience of the risen Christ and then meeting Ananias Saul proclaims Jesus as the Son of God. Sure, Jesus changes Saul's heart, but it's Ananias that welcomes him into the community, telling him he belongs, telling him that God has given him a role to proclaim the gospel. Lately, friends, I've been enjoying reading Maxwell King's biography of Fred Rogers, or as you and I better know him as Mr. Rogers. Apparently, as a teenager, Fred didn't fit in too well at school. For most of his childhood, in fact, didn't fit in too well at school. He was gifted musically and academically, but was seen as shy and awkward socially. He was seen as a bit of an outcast. And for these reasons, Fred noted that so often in his childhood, he was scared of school. A big moment in in, uh, Roger's development came when the star athlete at his high school, Jim Stobaugh, was hospitalized. Fred's mother, who knew this athlete's family well, encouraged Fred to go visit Stobaugh in the hospital to try to help him catch up on missed schoolwork and keep him company. These visits began what turned into a lifelong friendship. After returning to school, Jim, the star athlete, started telling his friends that Hey, you know that Rogers kid, he's, he's all right. To Fred, this made all the difference in the world. This relationship, like Ananias to Saul, helped his transformation to become part of the community. Because soon after, he said, soon after this, Fred notes that he started participating in extracurricular activities for the first time. And even went on to become the president of the student council his senior year. In reflecting on this time, Rogers wrote, 
What a difference one person can make in the life of another. The biographer even posits that this experience helped influence one of Roger's best-known songs. It's you I like, just the way you are. Friends, it's easy to overlook in the story that Ananias, too, has a moment of transformation upon meeting Saul. We focus on Saul's transformation, and rightly so, but if you look closely, Ananias has one, too. At the beginning of the lesson, Ananias is fearful of Saul and all he represents. But following an experience of the risen Christ, Ananias actively seeks out Saul. And upon meeting him, how does Ananias refer to Saul, the person he's scared of? He says, brother, brother Saul, the Lord needs you. In just a few verses, Ananias goes from fearing Saul to calling him brother. Saul and Ananias are witnesses that the risen Christ can transform our lives from fear and hate to love and grace. Their witness challenges us to show forgiveness and love, to reconcile with those we may be at odds with in our lives. These two transformations show the power of this wild and new creation, this wild and new creation that has been dawned by the resurrection of Christ. On this side of the resurrection, on this side of the empty tomb, Saul moved from breathing threats and murder against the disciples to calling Jesus Lord and becoming one of the most effective witnesses of his gospel of grace and love. Ananias has moved from fear and hatred of Saul to calling him brother. On this side of the empty tomb, the risen Christ is at work, transforming us and transforming our world. So Saul and Ananias, formerly at odds with one another, each receive a revelation from God, find one another, and then surprisingly become brothers in Christ. Their shared witness shows us that we need each other in order to understand God's calling in our lives. Their witness shows us that the church is the place where we can gather together and be enriched by each other's experiences of the risen Christ. But they also teach us that witnesses do not need to be the same. We do not need to have the same education level or occupation or ideology in order to strengthen each other in Christ. In fact, Saul and Ananias show us that if anything, we need this rich diversity in order to understand how God's Spirit is at work, calling us to serve in our world today. A rich diversity of witnesses to the risen Christ keeps us from being blinded by our own biases, that we might better hear God's voice and respond in turn in faith. But friends, as we follow in the footsteps of Saul and Ananias today, may we never underestimate the difference one person can make in the life of another. Ananias helps complete Saul's conversion, but also in welcoming him into the community. May we also be empowered, friends, that on this side of Easter, on this side of the empty tomb, the risen Christ is able to transform our fears and our anger that in this divided world we might reconcile with each other and that we might see one another and call each other brothers and sisters in Christ. May it be so, friends. Amen.